In the large Bibles, this is taken from Philippians, uh, so it's on page 1178, and it's Philippians 127 to Philippians 2.5. Life worthy of the gospel. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it, has only, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, and rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sue, and good evening, everyone. Great to see you all this evening. Uh, Please do keep your Bibles open in front of you at page 1178. That'll be um, really useful because we have 12 points to go through. You sound excited, don't you? But don't worry, some of them are very short. Um, Are you a consistent Christian? Are you a consistent Christian? You don't need to answer that. The answer I probably know is no. We're not consistent Christians, are we? But... um, Paul gives us here some instructions about about consistency for um, the Christian. But let's just bow our heads and and pray together. God, our Father, we do thank you for this wonderful privilege of being able to open your word and to look at it together. And we pray that by your spirit you'll teach us and help us um, to know what it means to be consistent, living for you. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, if you have your Bibles open, verse 27 um, begins in chapter 1. Whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves like this, effectively, what Paul is saying. And so we need to just back off a, a moment from that and say, well, why is he saying what, whatever happens? Well, it's because in the previous section of chapter 1, he's been talking about the fact that whether he remains in the body, living, or, or whether he goes to be with Christ and dies. He's in jail, remember, and he's saying, um, in a sense, you know, never mind what happens to me, 
uh, you know, whatever happens. Um, he wants, he says, conduct yourselves um, like this. And so he gives a series of instructions to help us live, I think, as consistent Christians. Um, firstly, A, um, in the culture, and B, in the church, you know, inside and outside of the church. So let's see what he has to say. And uh, the first, um, living consistent uh, as consistent Christians in the culture means, firstly, a quality, a quality to our lives. Verse 27 goes on, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Quality matters. Paul's not just concerned for doctrine and belief. He's also concerned for our conduct, the way that we live. Conduct yourselves is actually just one word in the Greek. It's the word, and it's very difficult to pronounce, so I'll get it wrong, is politiesti. I won't say it again, which is the word where we get politics from. Interesting. Conduct yourselves and politics. We won't go too far down that road. Um, it's to do with the essence of public affair, how you conduct yourself in public, um, in the culture in which you live. Uh, at a time of great upheaval as a, as a, a nation, members of God's kingdom should conduct themselves in what way? In a way that is marked by the gospel, by marked by the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, it's a tough question, isn't it, for each of us? Would someone you work with say that of you? I can see the quality of your life. Would they say that? That there's something different about you that characterises you by something else, by the good news, good quality. Secondly, um, unity. Verse 27 goes on, Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. The image there of standing firm, I think, is very much Paul taking it straight from um, the Roman soldiers. Philippi was a garrison town, um, and uh, they would have understood that image of the, uh, the, the Roman soldiers interlocking their shields. You know, you've seen those... Uh, um, what they called the tortoise. I think about 10 or 12 uh, soldiers would interlink and stand firm together. That would have been really uh, vivid to them, picture. The, so Paul uses that picture of the importance of military unity to say that the Christian unity is really, really important in the gospel. Uh, the quality of life, therefore, must be matched by your unity of relationship. He says, striving together. It's a lovely image, isn't it? Us striving together. Um, which he picks up, um, I think, from another one of Paul's favourite images, which is the image of the athlete. Um, focusing on a goal together. Striving together. Um, for those who are of a certain age, 2004, that hope you might remember that. Um, the Olympic Games, I think it was Athens. So I knew somebody would know. Athens. And um, there was the 3,000 metres steeplechase. And in it, the Kenyans were fantastic. They always beat everybody. And uh, the Kenyans were coming first, second, and fourth. 
and the um, famous Ezekiel Kimboi was leading, but he looked back and he saw what was happening behind him and the possibility of sweeping uh, up all the medals um, for the Kenyans. So instead of sort of racing hard for the tape, he, he sort of slowed down and he started to urge on the person in fourth and second and cajoling um, his fellow uh, teammates, as it were. He turned the individual sport into a team sport. He was getting them to strive together, wasn't he? And, he, he, and uh, much to the disgrace of, uh, of the commentators, um, they actually won and they crossed the line together. I don't know how they worked out who was first, second and third, but um, that's the kind of thing Paul is talking about here in terms of, of unity. Thirdly, bravery. Bravery's a mark, isn't it, here? Verse 28, look at it. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Being frightened here is an image of, a, of horses that would rear up on their, their hind legs if they, something had spooked them. You've, you kind of know that image, don't you? And that can be a very dangerous moment when a horse rears up. Uh, it can cause all sorts of panic. Uh, what the, it, they can bolt. Uh, and Paul is saying, I don't want you to be spooked uh, and nervous. Uh, and I don't want you to, to fight or flight. Uh, uh, because actually both of those will end up in, in, in negative uh, places with negative consequences. You know the kind of, kind of stuff that, that can, ha- can happen. Someone says something negative about Christianity and you can do two options, can't you? You can fight it and fly off the handle and say, you know, say something quite nasty. Or you can just slip off quietly and not say anything at all. Uh, he wants us not to panic. He wants a, a bravery that is able to say confidently uh, a response without being frightened in any way that those oppose you. And this leads to a clarity. Verse 28. Clarity. Verse 28. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. This is quite sobering, isn't it? You will be a sign that you are of a different citizenship, that you belong to somewhere different, not of this world. And Paul talks about that shortly later in Philippians. A sign to them, the truth is there are only two roads. There's the broad road that leads to destruction and there is the narrow road that leads to life. Paul, like all the New Testament writers, He does speak in this categorical, binary um, terms. Those who have life in Christ and those who do not. And if you here tonight don't have life in Christ, I'd really urge you to find out how you can have life in Christ. Talk to me afterwards. Consistent Christians in, in the world, in culture, have clarity and there's an urgency about that. Fifthly, there's a security Verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. God has given this unbelievable privilege of of believing in Christ, it says, 
but also to suffer for him because we're secure in what we know comes next. Belief and suffering both come from God in a sense here, and that's a bigger topic that we could talk about another time, but I've got 12 points. But to say, the New Testament is clear, isn't it? That if we're going to be secure followers of Christ in this culture, we need to take up our crosses and to follow him. Jesus said that. Taking up your cross is going to be tough. If we're going to stand striving together for the gospel, if we're going to stand in relationships, in our uh, lifestyle, in our views about faith, about holiness, about purity, we should expect, let's be honest, that there's going to be opposition and scoffing and apathy. So security, we need to know we have our security in Christ. Sixthly, solidarity. Verse 30. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. He's saying, you saw, Philippi. You saw. Well, what is it he had, they had seen? What is it that, that Philippi had seen? You have to go back to Acts 16. He might encourage you to do that in your own time. It would be a good exercise to have a look at as we go through Philippians. Paul there goes to Philippi. He meets Lydia. Uh, remember the, the seller of purple cloth? God opens her heart. She believes she welcomes people to her house. She's baptized. He then goes on to cure uh, a slave woman who's a medium. Uh, people then get really upset with Paul because this person was uh, useful and was, people were making money out of this slave and this, uh, who was a medium. Uh, and, uh, of course, they got angry because some people had lost their livelihood. And because of that, they were, she was no use to them. And, of course, what happened to Paul is he was arrested and he was flogged. But then what happened while he was in jail? There was a Philippian jailer who heard the gospel message, who was converted and then baptised, and his whole family were baptised. The beginning of that was what? It was, a, it was a flogging, something very negative. And so Paul tells the Philippians, you now, Philippians, are going to experience the same thing you saw. There's a solidarity that we have with people who are suffering in this world for the Christian faith. In parts of the world where there is great suffering, we should have a solidarity with them. He dared to defy the Roman church. Oh, this is my next point. Um, I was going to give you the example of William Tyndale. You might be familiar with him. He was a man from several hundred years ago who defied the Roman church. He translated the Bible into English so everyone could read the good news of Jesus Christ for themselves. It might sound to us a very obvious thing, but then it wasn't at all. And he was hounded and he was chased and he was, he was flogged and he was burned at the stake. And people said to him, enough of this Bible stuff, you know, we don't want all that. They don't confuse the peasants who can't read. They don't need to know this stuff. Don't mess with their minds. And yet Tyndale continued. And then, you know, in the nice new shiny Bibles 
that we have um, today, that we've just um, got, are a testimony to, that speak of the work of God's Spirit. And so likewise, as we grow, we might just have to suffer for the gospel. But we do it together in solidarity for the sake of the good news. So there you are, Christian living, A, in the church, uh, sorry, in the culture. It means a quality of life, a unity in the spirit. It means being clear, having a security and a solidarity in Christ. There you are, there's the first six. You're still with us. But Christian um, living consistent also means about living consistently in the church. Because sometimes we can finish up living consistently or seeming consistently in the world and not in the church. We live very different. We can live very split lives. Surely those two things should come together. So let's have a look at that, what Paul says here, what it means in the church. Whatever happens, remember that phrase in verse 27, what happens, whatever happens, um, conduct yourself in the church. Firstly, united. Verse 1, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, to be a Christian is to be part of the church, the body of believers. And it's very much um, that image, uh, in a sense, a bit like being married. I know not everyone is married, and not everyone's had good experience of marriage, but marriage is, in a sense, a good example of that. You have a man and a woman, two individuals, and they come together. As a result, they are interwoven and become one flesh. It's that dynamic about being in Christ. Becoming a Christian, I suppose, is a bit like getting married. God accepts us as his son. We embrace Christ uh, and all he is. We embrace him in his love. And we're never the same again, just as two people who get married are never the same again. What a great encouragement. Christ is always with you. Wherever you go, you're united with him, whether you're at work or whether through the ups and downs of life, um, whatever it might be, you're united to him as his church. That's the first. Secondly, a consistent Christian means living in the church in love, if any comfort from his love. I don't know about you, but one of the great predicaments, I think, of uh, our culture, and even in our church, I suppose this does sound quite critical, but I do think it's true, is a sense of loneliness, a sense of lack of love. Um, between us. We are bereft of companionship. Um, Even in a crowd, we can feel deeply alone. And of course, we um, disguise it by um, superficial conversations. Um, We do, or we try to have, um, we try to get that through online um, kind of engagement. Or we give off an air of respectability Or we simply reply, don't we, um, with the question, how are you, with, I'm fine. And maybe it's partly of our our culture as English, British, maybe European people. I don't know. The Christian never needs to be in that predicament because part of being united in Christ means we're being comforted in his love. 
And the comfort here that he's talking about is not that kind of sense of very cosy, wimpy, kind of huggy uh, love, which suits me because I'm not a huggy person. I'm not saying I have anything against hugging. I think it's a very good thing um, in the right moment at the right time. Um, And so my wife tells me. Um, But it's a much more um, dynamic thing, a much more active thing. Um, that, that uh, a powerful thing, it, it works its way out in all sorts of different ways. So as Marxists, as a Christian community united in Christ, in love. Thirdly, there should be here fellowship. Verse 1 again, it says, if any common sharing in the spirit. And common sharing has often been translated as fellowship. Common sharing, fellowship. The fellowship the Christians enjoy is, of course, first in the fellowship with God. Um, As we come to know him, we're brought into his fellowship, as it it says, in the Spirit. And what a wonderful thing to dwell in his presence of God, born from above. So a Christian lives in the Spirit of God, in fellowship with God, and therefore we fellowship with one another because we are all in Christ. That's actually why I think... You know, the writer of Hebrews says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another as you see the day approaching. We should seek to come together, to enjoy coming together. I hope you enjoy coming together. Do you enjoy coming together? You're going to nod because I asked that question, aren't you? But we should, I know that doesn't mean say all of us enjoy it. We should seek to ask maybe why we're not enjoying or why does that person not enjoy it? And that's why you're all going to come on Wednesday, isn't it? Because that's a fellowship evening. Uh, There's my little plug. Um, Fourthly, um, compassion. Verse 1 again. If any tenderness and compassion. And Paul is simply pointing out that the Christian uh, knowledge, the, the understanding of God's mercy and compassion that's found in Christ Jesus ought to lead us to express that same compassion and kindness and mercy to one another. It's easy, isn't it, to let life's bumps and scrapes uh, kind of harden us uh, and make us, in a sense, less kind, um, less compassionate, less forgiving. Consistent Christians show this kind of compassion and tenderness to one another to the bereaved, to the lonely around us, those struggling with temptations and trials, whatever it may be. Fifthly, joy. Verse 2. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of the same mind. Make my joy complete. It's interesting. Is this joy not already complete? What's he saying there? Well, um, I was trying to think about it like Hannah uh, was coming home in the car um, a few months ago, and one day um, she drew up and smoke was coming out of the, the bonnet. And uh, um, the, the heater gauge had gone through the roof. And since we bought the car, I realised that I had never checked the oil, I had not checked any of the fluids, and especially I hadn't done anything about coolant. What is that? And... Um, I'd done done all the checks that my father said that you should do before you set out um, and complete a journey. And when running low, 
you need to be topped up with joy. Do you get it? That sense of, we do need to be topped up with a sense of joy with one another and in one another and in Christ. Top me up with joy, Paul, saying, fill up my joy. It's getting hot in here in jail, isn't it? Put it that way. Um, It's taking its toll on my engine. What would refresh me than knowing that you are doing well in Christ? That would refresh me. That would give me the coolant that I need to sustain me. And we need to sustain each other in that way as we fellowship together. Being, it goes on there to say, being one in spirit and of the same mind. Being one. I don't know if you notice that all through this passage there's talk about being of one mind. And you know, it reminded me of Phil Collins. If you're under 40, you will have no idea who Phil Collins is. And if you're over 40, you will have an idea of who Phil Collins is. He's the one, Two Hearts. Do you remember that song? It's a great song. I won't sing it to you. Two hearts believing in just one mind. (laughs) You know, we're two hearts believing in just one mind, beating together till the end of time. It's great lyric, great poetry as well, isn't it? But being one mind, being together, one heart, a consistent Christian community under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ, needs to be this spirit of unity that combines like-mindedness, one in spirit and one in purpose. Finally, point 12, humility. It's there, isn't it, right in verse 34? Uh, Sorry, not verse 34, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. The Philippi church, in many ways, is a, was a model church, in many ways. I mean, we sort of naturally turn to it, don't we, when we want something kind of to model our, our Christian life on. But it wasn't perfect, and if you go to chapter 4, verse 2, it says things like this. Paul says, I plead with Judea and I plead with Cynthia to be one of the same mind in the Lord. You know, there was falling out. There were things that were going wrong. And Paul was saying to them, Philippi, if you're going to have a church that's attractive, or maybe I'll put it like this, St. John's, if you're going to have a church that is attractive, if you're going to have a church that is going to make progress, if you're going to have a church that's growing in outreach, that's growing in discipleship, that's growing the next generation, then do not, do not do it as individuals. Individuals cultivating the spirit which says, I'm seeking to do it my way only. It's quite a challenge. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges for us in the 21st century because we're so in that mindset of doing things individually. We have all those kind of slogans, you're worth it, that's telling us that uh, we can do it alone. All those slogans are like, just do it. It's my right. There's another, it's my life. Is that too unlimited? 
Yes, <laughs> thank you. Let's not quote too unlimited. But it's all that kind of um, language, isn't it? The individual matters. What's the solution? Well, we get to the solution. It's our last point. Um, our last, the, the solution, of course, is in Jesus Christ. And, of course, in two weeks' time, when we come back to this, we will see the solution in the next section, which is even more familiar to, to us. Um, is it going to come up? There it is. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's the only consistent human that has ever lived. So if you want to be a Christian who's consistent in culture and in the church, we look to Jesus Christ. So as we come to the table um, shortly, let's ask that he would give us that same mindset. Consistent Christians living in the culture and in the church. Let's just take a moment to, to pray, shall we? Our God, our Father, we know that we are not consistent as living as Christians, either in the church or in the world. And Father, we are are sorry. We pray that you will give us this same mindset that we've been reading about in your words. And we pray that we'll have the same mindset as your son, Jesus Christ. That we may be changed and transformed. That we may be consistent Christians witnessing to the world and the culture and encouraging and loving one another inside the church. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.